there, true believers, and welcome to Simply Devotion, the podcast that is all about seeking Jesus on deeper theological levels, because he is worthy of all of our devotion. Another episode of Simply Devotion. And we are back again with John, my co-host. Yeah. I mean, like, this is your episode, right? It's like named after you. It's about it, it's John talking about another John. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully, I have something decent to say. Hey, you 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 gotta be there for your namesake, right? Yeah. <laughs> For our listeners, today's episode is all about John, not John the teacher. Well, he is a teacher. He is a rabbi, but not my co-host, John, the teacher, the rabbi, a different John, who is a teacher. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Is that his last name? Like, um, I, I, maybe, maybe you could say that uh you know not necessarily in the way that uh we think of last names but in times of old mm-hmm. we, we often see people associating with either who their father is like you know Jacob's son right mm-hmm. um or um or what their profession is you know like baker Right. right. And and so John the Baptist, uh, you know, he's associated with what he did, which was baptize a lot of people. Right. Right. So. So, yeah, we, we have they can be associated with their, their son, you know, uh, Peter Barjona, Peter, the son of Jonah, the Peter, mm-hmm. the son of a different John. Um in 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 sometimes it's you know like Baker their profession and sometimes it's even their geographical location like Mary of Magdalene Magdalene yes. is actually not a last name but a geographical location or their vocation John who was a baptizer in you know I want to talk about that you know baptism is something it's one of those things that just sort of shows up as we've been talking about throughout this season there are things that just sort of show up out of no place in the new mm-hmm. testament that developed during the intertestimonial time and there's no predecessor for it like the school of the rabbis mm-hmm. or the sadducees in the old testament baptism is non-existent in the old testament yeah you're you're right. Um, there really isn't uh, anything like baptism as we see John the Baptist practicing it in the Gospels. Uh, we do have stuff in Leviticus about ritual cleansing, 
Um, so normally if you came into contact, for example, if you were burying a loved one and you came into contact with their dead body, that would re that would make you ceremonially unclean. And one of the ways that you would um, make yourself clean again was to ritually wash. Um, and so you would there there was this idea of ritual cleansing, ritual washing. Uh, but John isn't really practicing it in that way. Um, you know, his was more of a baptism of repentance as opposed to a baptism of cleansing. Right. So there's a little bit of a difference there. Right. Right. So during the intertestimony time, there was developments that came out of the different traditions that grew up to help the Jews not fall into sin again. And, you know, ritual washings became a big deal. There's an increasing amount of scholars who are making the connection between John the baptizer and the Essenes who did all this sort of ritual washing, which was an over-amplification of that washing that you spoke about in Leviticus, which was a causation washing. You know, if something made you unclean, then you wash ritualistically to become um, ceremonially clean, mm -hmm. right? But during the growth of the Essenes in between the Testaments, they became like anything might have made me unclean. I don't know what it was. You know, I'm just going to wash like every sort of sort of day, every sort of day, you know, which is why some scholars think that John was in a scene because of other lifestyle things he did, too. But yeah. you make a very valid point. John's washing or baptism is not tied to ceremonially being clean like the mitzvah which was the ceremonial ceremonial washing of the scenes it was tied to repentance and changing your life um and getting back to who it is god has called you to be perhaps i don't know perhaps that's why john has made such an impact throughout the world and you know before we started the show we we're just sort of comparing notes about our research and talking about this that john is a super important figure in monotheistic thought even outside of abrahamic traditions so yeah of course john would show up He's a big figure in in Christianity. He's a significant yeah. figure in Judaism because they think he was a prophet. Um, he also was, you know, a huge figure, more than you would suspect in Islam. Wow. And yeah, it just it's it's quite a fascinating thing that John has built this legacy, or we have built this legacy with John. In fact. He shows up in other monotheistic religions we would not think of. Like, he is an important figure in the Baha'i faith and in the um, Mandaism traditions and religions, which are sort of like Gnostic teachings in Aramaic traditions. So it's kind of, his reach has been far. And I think it's because 
his message is such a universal message that there has to be some sort of outward expression to an internal change that God is doing in our life. I like what you're saying, Vinny, and you're actually bringing a little bit of new light into my thinking on John, because only uh, Mm -hmm. recently did I realize that John the Baptist played a pretty significant role in Islam. Um, But what I'm hearing you saying is it's beyond that. And John the Baptist has a significant reach in many of these uh, religions that exists today. Of course, thinking about our conversation about Jesus uh, and whether or not he was an actual person, well, this seems to be evidence about John being an actual person who existed, right? Uh, Because we have different faiths drawing from the same tradition of this man named John the Baptist. Right, which leads to the ultimate question that we need to address in this podcast. And that is, who is this dude, John the Baptizer? What do we know about John the Baptizer? So John is, as you mentioned, he's a significant figure in uh, not just Christianity, but in a lot of other religions. And the reason he's a significant figure is because when you think back to the intertestamental period, which we've talked about in a previous episode, uh, it's this period of 400 years of silence, right? right. There's no prophet. There's no visions. There are no right. dreams. There, There is no new revelation from God. Right, there's just persecution and oppression, but it's like God isn't saying anything. Right, until with John the Baptist, we have an angel that appears to announce uh, that John the Baptist is going to be born, right? And uh, this is a supernatural event. This is something that has not happened for 400 years. And of course, you know, his dad comes out. Uh, By the way, his dad is a priest. Wait, 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 wait. John's dad is a priest? This is new. Like, like you don't hear this preached on in church that John's dad's a priest because doesn't that then make John of a lineage of a priest? And yes. So he could be a priest. Not only could he be a priest from the lineage of his father, who, uh, but he could also be a priest from the lineage of his mother as well. His Wait, mom, they are both. They are both descendants of of Aaron. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, so by birth, John the Baptist could have been part of the priesthood. So he's privileged. He's privileged because we talked about in previous episodes how there is no way out of poverty if you live in Palestine in the time of Jesus, except for if you're in one of these privileged groups. And you're telling me that John is born privileged. Yeah, he is. He really is. He doesn't Um, have to become a fisherman or a carpenter or a merchant. He, 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 by birthright, he could be a priest on both sides of his family, 
And if not a priest, he could choose to serve the priestly order in some way, supporting it. Yes, that's that's absolutely correct. So when it came to religious influence, John had options. He had he had pretty good options. <laughs> you know, he could have he could have continued uh, as a priest, just like his dad. Um, by the way, when the angel appeared to his dad to announce his his birth, his dad was in the temple. Right? He was he was offering uh, incense, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, in the temple uh, when the angel appeared to him and spoke to him. Again, this is after four hundred years of God basically being silent, and so John the Baptist is kind of like this bridge. He is the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And his birth story with the angel appearing and his parents not being able to give birth and they don't have children and things like that. His birth story echoes the story of Abraham and Sarah. And it also echoes the story of Jesus's birth. And so... And so John is kind of like this bridge, not just between the Old Testament and the New Testament, but he is the bridge between the son of the promise, Isaac, and the promised one, Jesus Jesus. Christ. Very nice. That's, That's a neat little way to look at John, a good connection point. And you got the supernatural happening, as you're saying, you know, and, and I, you know, Reading Luke's account of the birth of John, Luke brings out not only did Elizabeth not have children, but Luke brings out that Elizabeth is in the exact same situation as Sarah. The mother of Isaac, the the wife of Abraham, that she is aged past the point of childbearing years right yeah. so that parallel is very clear from from luke's account I, I think luke says it was gabriel who showed up in the temple also has its sort of messianic overtones because it's it's gabriel who comes to the prophet daniel in the old testament and explains to daniel that these visions are about the anointed priest of the covenant right so yeah, there's there's all these connections to all the hot spots to to bridge the gap. Yes. And these are ways that God is signaling to right. the people of the time. He is signaling, he's saying, look, stories that you know, these are echoes back to your history. I'm about to do something new here. I'm about to do something awesome. So John the Baptist is is probably um, one of the, after Jesus, he is probably theologically the most significant character of the New Testament. I would say like Jesus, John, and Moses are probably the three most important people in the Bible, like the three most iconic people. Well, David, mm-hmm. but but they, even David is just a foreshadow to Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, well, I guess in fairness, John is a foreshadow to Jesus in a different way, which we'll get to. John is the link between the Old Testament 
in the New Testament. Um, John is born of the lineage, double lineage of the priesthood. So he's born to privilege. And John is also a rabbi? Yeah. Uh, it seems as though when we look at the biblical data, we see that John is, number one, teaching in public places. Mm-hmm. And that he also has followers or disciples. And so it seems as though John is very much acting like any other rabbi of the time. And and only that, some of his disciples just transfer their membership over to Jesus, you know? Right. Yes, that's correct. When, When he points out Jesus, there is a little bit of that transfer, his followers moving on. And, and, and following Jesus. Um, so, so yeah, we've got a guy that could have been a priest. We got a guy that's acting like a rabbi. Um, and, and so we also have a guy because John the Baptist uh, is very influenced by the Essenes, uh, which is this other political group that we talked about in a previous episode. Um, so just the things that he does... He number one, he lives out in the wilderness, right? Uh, the Bible tells us that, and the Essenes they lived out in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ate uh, an interesting diet. Oh, let's talk this... about the diet. I'm naming the whole episode after the diet, so let's talk uh-huh. about the diet. <laughs> so he ate, um, he ate locusts and honey. Um, and some people have said, oh, you know, maybe to soften the blow or whatever, they said, oh, locust is just like another word for a bean pod. But I don't think that's the case. I think he was actually eating locusts, those, you know, six-legged creatures that jump around and eat it's, vegetation. Like, that's what he was eating, those bugs. It's the vegetarians among us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They want John the Baptist to be a vegetarian. Right. They, they, and, and, and if he's going to eat meat, they can't accept bugs. But, but let's be clear. It's bugs. And how do we know it's bugs? Because there are very, very few bugs that are considered clean food yes. to Jews. Yes. The, the Levitical requirement is that they have to have six legs and two of those legs are used for jumping. So we're looking at locusts. We're looking at crickets, grasshoppers. That's what we're looking at. Right. So it's not an accident that the particular style of bug that John eats while it may sound repulsive to us in 2021, in Jewish tradition is some of the choice pointed out food that God told them is health food. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And so, and I would imagine it's easier to find, you know, a bug if you're living out in the wilderness uh, than it is to find just some stray lamb that, you know, <laughs> that's just wandering around in the wilderness, right? You kind of have uh, to be stealing somebody's lamb, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. So he's choosing a life of poverty. And so he's eating food that you would associate with somebody who's living in poverty, right? Uh, he's out in the wilderness, he's eating bugs, and he's eating honey. Now, a lot of times we think of honey as the stuff that comes from bees. Um, And he may 
well have been eating that, but honey would have been a term that is used to refer to um, anything that you make from uh, a fruit, you know, like a syrup that right. you would make from, you know, a strawberry. Well, they wouldn't have eaten strawberries, but today we would think of, you know, maybe dates, a strawberry dates, syrup or something. Dates and grapes. Yeah, dates, dates grapes, grapes, and figs. So you would heat those up mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and the juices would become more of a syrup. Uh, and so that would have been uh, what would have been called a honey, you know. At, yep. At, so so he's eating he's eating health food um, and it's food of, of those who, who are living in poverty. He doesn't have very much, right. which and, would have been up the vein of the Essenes. Right. right. And his clothing, too. Right. Yes, he wore uh, camel hair, which, interestingly enough, is what Elijah wore in the Old Testament. Right. So there's echoes now to Elijah. As well, well. There, there's there's more echoes to Elijah. Okay, so I I went to the place where John was baptizing in in the, at the Jordan, right? Uh, and there's a particular place that church tradition believes John was baptizing in a traditional place that they believe that John baptized Jesus because John baptized Jesus. And there is a traditional place that, you know, goes back to the church fathers, goes back to whatever. And, you know, every denomination in the world has built a cathedral there, right? (laughs) Um, Here's what's interesting. It is less than maybe two city blocks from where John is baptizing Jesus at the River of Jordan to where the traditional site that the Jews say Elijah left in the chariot of fire. <laughs> so, so because John didn't baptize, the Jordan is a long river. There's a particular right. region he was baptizing in. It's interesting that, yeah, it's close to where the Jews say Elijah went in the chariot up to heaven. So that's a, just another point of connection, right? So, uh, you know, it goes back to that Old Testament connection yeah. and and John being that figure that's bridging the gap and, you know, also the Essenes. Now, we got a priesthood connection. We have a rabbinical connection. We we talked about the Essene connection. Mm-hmm. Um, the people at the disapproval even of the religious establishment gave John an additional endearment, loving, incredible, grandiose title. And that was prophet. Hmm. When I think about the fact that the people gave him the position of prophet, that kind of shows what a big deal john was you know past just being a rabbi you know past just like he he could qualify for any one of these elites but like you said it's been 400 years that title Mm -mm. Mm -mm. that title is not given to anyone no you wouldn't have thrown that around um there had to have been clear evidence that that for john to have the title prophet 
it would mean that it was pretty obvious to the people of his time that he was being used by God, called by God to to communicate a specific message for the people of his time. And what would we say John's particular message was for the people of his time? Well, his message is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent because the end of all things is at hand. Mm -hmm. Literally, John says, repent because the axe is laid at the root of the tree. It's coming down, baby. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. And and so he it's almost like a doomsday message, right? That's what I'm getting at. He is doomsday prophet. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at. He is preaching. I know we would see it differently, but they would not have. He is preaching an end time message. Yes. Right. Repent because the end is coming, right? God is going to establish his kingdom. Maybe even echoing back to Daniel there, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 the prophecies of Daniel, right? The the end is coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Because God is going to do something here, guys, and it's going to happen soon. Yeah, yeah. And and what's going to happen is the end of Israel. <laughs> that That's what he's saying. When he's saying, repent because the axe is already laid at the tree, the tree is Israel. Mm-hmm. And he is calling them to repent because... Even with 400 years of rabbinical teaching, the Sadducees doing their politics, the Essenes hiding out in the desert, and the Zealots doing, you know, espionage, the Masonic era has arrived. And not only is the new kingdom arising, the new age. Is arising. These are words that Jesus himself will use in Matthew 24. And my listeners can go back. We have about six episodes in season one on Matthew 24. These are words Jesus will use the end of the age, the end of an era, when he describes the destruction of Israel and the destruction of the temple. For Jesus himself will become the new temple. So yeah, John is a doomsday prophet. <laughs> John John is a last day prophet. John is absolutely borrowing from Daniel when he's preaching about the end time or the end times as Daniel actually calls it in his book. It's just an application to a different end time than we Christians see in our era but it is an end of an era right mm-hmm. yeah. and it's a serious message right so we have this guy who's preaching in the wilderness who has connections to sadducees because his dad was a priest 
He has connections to uh, to Pharisees because he's functioning as a rabbi. He has connections to the Essenes because he's an ascetic. And his doomsday message would have definitely appealed to zealots. We have a guy that's perfectly positioned to literally unite all of the important religious groups during his time. Exactly. Which is why the religious leaders of his time are flipping out. Right? They, they, they are like parked along the banks of the river and they are looking for chances to refute John and his followers. They're spying on him because they see it coming. By the way, as we said in past episodes, there had been other people in the intertestimony time who also claimed to be Messiah. So from their perspective, this is another would-be false Messiah that they got to put down mm-hmm. before he takes that mantle because he already got connections to the priesthood. He already has assumed the title of rabbi. He he already is being called a prophet. Like, that's a huge deal. Yeah. How long before the people who first coined the term prophet start saying ma 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 messiah mm-hmm. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Now, the, now, there's another group that is quite upset with John, too. And that would be a, the king, right? Herod. Yeah. The, John's got some weird beef going on there. What's, what's up with that? So, yeah. Herod, he was a king. A, te- of, a tetriarch, right? Like, yeah, so. Te- a, 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 yes. a, when we say king, we don't mean like the emperor. We don't mean, we, we mean a tetrarch. We mean a local king closer to what we would call governor in the United States. But yes. Yes. So John takes issue with Herod because he divorces his wife because he thought that his brother's wife was more attractive. And so he ends up marrying her and John thought that this was immoral it was against law their laws and that it should not have happened right because Herod Antipas is the tetrarch over the section where John is doing his main ministry baptizing by the Jordan and so he's ruling over the Jews. In in essence, he's committing one of the sins Torah will forbid. You can't just, one, divorce a woman for any reason, not even in that day, even in, in the patriarch mess that sometimes happened there, that was not acceptable. And he did this while in leadership and stole, this is adultery, his brother's wife away from his brother, who also was a tetrarch in another area. Yeah. <laughs> so you have like kings swapping wives going on. And John is just like pointing to another reason why everything's got to come down. The axe is laid at the tree. 
Right. There's corruption everywhere. Right. We can't trust the Sadducees to fix this either because the people they're dealing with and putting in power would like do stuff like this in front of the people and treat it like everyone can do it. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And ultimately, it's going to be that conflict that is going to get John in some serious trouble. Yes. It's kind of the irony. The religious leaders have the most reason to be against John because he could easily slip into Messiah role. But it's the political power of Herod Antipas that becomes the arch rival of John. Mm. Now, before that happens, though, Jesus shows up. And we really haven't really talked about Jesus in connection to John too much, a little bit. Yeah. But they're also relatives, right? Yes, they're cousins. They're cousins. And John is older. Let's see how how much you've been paying attention, John. (laughs) I love putting you on the spot. How much older is John the Baptist than Jesus? And there is only one right answer. Six months. Well done. (laughs) Right. Because the angel came to Elizabeth six months before he came to Mary. That's right. Same angel, which is why I pointed out which angel it was. Gabriel. In some ways... Gabriel is reenacting what he already did. But in John's case, Gabriel came to the father. And in Jesus' case, Gabriel comes to the mother. Mm-hmm. But there's clear parallel there, right? Oh, for sure. Again, it's God echoing and, and signaling that he's doing something here. And that there's a connection between these two guys. Right. So much so that the Gospels go out of the way to point out that Jesus and John meet each other before either one of them are born. Right, exactly. Because it was after Mary receives her message from Gabriel, she then goes off to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Right. And um, and when they meet, right. the Bible tells us that John who was in Elizabeth's womb, leapt. Right, when Mary so came. John is already recognizing from the womb. Woo! Yet now we're getting someplace. John is recognizing from the womb before birth who yes, bef- Jesus yes. is. Exactly. That's, this is amazing stuff, John. Amazing stuff. Uh, someone named you well. I think it's fair to also point out that John and derivatives of the name John were very common names in Palestine. Which is why they had to say John the baptizer, right? The one who's out baptizing people, that John. Right, right, right. Because there's John the beloved, Mm -hmm. right? There's, There's John the father of Peter, Peter Barjona, right? Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, it's a common name. And so, yeah, we have this situation where there's this connection between them. John is just a little bit older. 
But Jesus is a little bit more reclusive than maybe John. Um, we don't hear a lot about Jesus. He kind of comes and crashes John's party in a way. Yes. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like Jesus hears that his cousin's really successful in ministry and has built up like a big televangelist type of crowd and following. And it's Which, like, by the way, Roman soldiers even were listening to, to John preach. They're worried about an insurrection. Oh, for sure. They're, they're keeping an eye out, but, but John's influence extends beyond just Judaism. That's a very good point. And that's probably why we see John's influence even to this day showing up in monotheistic religions that aren't even Abrahamic. Mm-hmm. Right, because it already was extending even in that time, which could explain why Gnostic religions are picking up on John too. Yeah. Because of the Greco-Roman philosophical link there for those who might not have understood that that piece of history. Um, but but yeah, so Jesus is just like showing up at John's ministry. It's kind of like he's, you know, he just bought a ticket to the event and he's just like sitting in the bleachers. Watching this stuff go down, John has got <laughs> the Romans watching him. He's got the religious religious establishment watching him. You know, he's got the populace with him, and Jesus just taking in the sermon, listening to the praise band, watching the baptisms happen, and then like John's like, "Wait, who is that? My cousin up there in the bleachers? Is 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 that Jesus? Wait." Is that the one we're really waiting for? Right. And then he 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 points him out and he says the famous words, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, whose sandals... I could not even be worthy to bow down and unbuckle. Yeah, which is an extraordinary statement because as as you painted the picture, Vinny, everybody knows John. <laughs> exactly. He's, Every, a, he's the Joel yeah. Olstein of his day. He's like yeah, the he, most famous televangelist. He is a household name. Right. Everybody knows John. And now he's saying, by the way, there's this other guy that nobody knows. I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals of his shoe. And even that is such a loaded statement because not all of our listeners will get the cultural significance of that statement mm -hmm. because, you know, we might think, you know, bad breath is the most disgusting hygiene. We, we, we might think, you know, someone having digestive issues is gross. Mm -hmm. But to the Hebrews, the foot. Yes is the most dirty, disgusting part of the body. Yes. And the sandal itself is considered the height of the dirt because there's no sanitation out there. You got animals and humans doing their business. Mm -hmm. You're just stepping in all sorts of stuff. You're stepping in all sorts of stuff and you're not wearing Reeboks. Nope. 
you're not wearing rubber boots. Nope. All that stuff gets stuck in your toenails, between your toes. It's in every crack. I mean, that stuff is everywhere on it your feet. It takes between the sandal yep. and the foot, right? Yes. If you weren't fortunate enough or wealthy enough to have servants, then you made your wife do it mm-hmm. or your children do it. You wash the lowest person in your household do it. The lowest person in the household wash someone's feet because feet were so disgusting yeah. to Jews, right? And to this day in the Middle East, pointing your foot at someone is a lewd gesture. Exactly. It's like, it's like giving somebody the finger here in the United States. It, it, it absolutely is. And, and that's why I pointed out the caking in the sandals, because I literally saw that when I was in several places in the East to this day. Mm-hmm. Not just Israel, but also other countries that I visited. To draw out of what you said about it being the equivalent of giving someone the finger... I remember when George Bush, when he was president, right? He visited Iraq after everything was all over, right? Yep. And they threw a shoe at him. Right, right. And an Iraqi, he knew he wasn't going to kill the president with a shoe, Mm -hmm. but he took his shoe off and threw it at him, not as like, I'm going to hurt the president, Mm -hmm. but as in, I'm going to defile or humiliate him because shoes are such a dirty thing culturally to us yes so in all of that you got john who is the most popular mega pastor he's got the attention of not only his nation but other nations he's got the will of the people he's got the background of a priest he's got the empathy of these scenes you know he's got everything covered and they're there in their big church service and everything's going down. And all of a sudden he sees Jesus and he's like, stop the band. Hmm. Stop the sermon. Shut down the AP. That dude in the bleachers who couldn't even afford the good seat. That dude. I could not even be worthy to put my hands near his feet. Hmm. This is an amazing thing. Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Again, he's pointing back to Moses. He's pointing back to atonement. Yeah, the sacrificial system in the temple. Right. He's like, this is the fulfillment of everything Moses has ever taught us. Yeah. Yeah. This is the Lamb of God. There's nobody, yeah, there's nobody cousin of mine who never made anything out of himself. (laughs) This is your guy. I'm just the opening act. You thought you all came here and bought your big tickets and came to your big stadium to see someone important. But I was just the opening act. Hmm. And The Bible tells us that when John says that, immediately some of his disciples kind of like, okay. And they start following Jesus. They defect. I I don't necessarily think of it as a defection, but John's word, his influence is such 
that he could point to this random guy that nobody knows and say he's the next big thing and people just go he's the kingmaker yeah he is the kingmaker of course literally Jesus is the king but he he i mean that just goes to show you how much influence john has yeah all he has to do is point to a random guy mm-hmm. and people would have gone he just keeps this up he just keeps going right and 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 when some of his disciples are gathering around and they're, they're, they're not all going over to the jesus side and and the crowds are still showing up to see john john says this he's like my influence must go away so that the influence of Jesus comes to center stage. Yes, I must decrease so that he can increase. Right, right, right. Even when John baptizes Jesus, John is like, dude, I would rather you baptize me. (laughs) Right? I, I don't feel worthy. And you know what? Jesus never tells him he is either. Jesus just says, you got to do it to fulfill all righteousness. Like if someone said, I'm not worthy to, you know, be your associate or I'm not worthy to, to, to assist you. I would just be, you know, no, you're fine, man. You're great. You're awesome. Right. Jesus, mm-hmm. don't do that. <laughs> yeah, he basically says, you're right. He, he basically said it was never about you, John. <laughs> yeah, right. But but what's interesting with Jesus' baptism, and I don't know about you, Vinny, but growing up, you know, I always questioned, like, why did Jesus have to be baptized? Oh, you, you know, watch people. <laughs> you know, like, why did he have, like, you know, he was He's Jesus. He's the son of God. He's perfect. He's holy. John is baptizing this baptism of repentance, right? What does Jesus need to repent from? And, and so it's like, you know, so the question is like, why did Jesus have to be baptized? And for the longest time, the answer that was given to me was, well, Jesus did it as an example, right? To, to set an example to us. And okay, that's fine. But what I actually am seeing here is this passing of the mantle. Yes. You know, we instead, you know, just like just like Elijah had to pass the mantle to Elisha, we have this passing of the mantle where John who has generated all of this buzz and everybody is calling him the P word prophet. Mm -hmm. And he is super famous and he could become the Messiah himself. If he was there. Right. But in this moment, when he baptizes Jesus, it's literally passing the mantle. It's saying now you, I was explaining this idea to a complete secular person who are, they're, they're not a Christian. They're not even of a Christian background, um, but they just wanted to understand the Bible. And so we would meet for coffee and we, we, we would talk about these stories. And I don't know why, but 
John the Baptist became super fascinated with this person. Mm-hmm. And 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 they wanted to, that was their question. You know, this guy who's got all this political clout, this guy who's got, you know, all the favor of the people, this guy who's got the religious market, the populist market. He's even got the king in check. You know, he's a renegade. He fights the machine, you know. Um, he's got strange dietary. You know, he, he's like unique in every way you could imagine. He is a polarizing power. He just hands it over. It's like there was something in him that knew everything he was doing all the time was to pass off all of his clout to someone else. It's like he is, you know, I jokingly call it the kingmaker, but he's the clout maker. He has he built the reputation. He has built the endearment of the people. And then when everyone trusts him, He's like, this is the real guy. Mm. I, I just, I'm a pastor, John. You've been a pastor. Mm-hmm. We like to tell people pastors are not competitive. <laughs> they are. They they are too often too competitive. But I want to be a pastor like John. Mm. I want to be able to not make it about me. Mm-hmm. Now, and all these good things we're saying about John, he did have a wobble moment, didn't he? Yeah, he did. So John is is in prison because of, you know, the disagreement with Herod. And so he's in he's in prison. And he's kind of like, what's happening? Like, I was preaching, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. I pointed out Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Like, like, what's happening? Why aren't things unraveling? Why... You know, why isn't the world coming to an end? That's the why problem with preaching the doomsday message, right? That's the problem with preaching the end of the world message. <laughs> You're just like, I thought it was going to be sooner than this. I put all my emphasis on it. The end is at hand, but it's not, right? The end never right. comes as fast as you think, right? So now he's stuck in prison. He has a lot of time to think. <laughs> right. He's like, he's like, what's happening here, right? Jesus was supposed to establish the kingdom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he begins to wonder, did he have it right? Mm. Did he Mm. maybe point out the wrong guy? Mm. And so he sends his disciples to go talk to Jesus. And he says, ask him if he is the Messiah. So his disciples go over and they ask Jesus, hey, John wants to know. (laughs) did he get it wrong are Mm. you the messiah Mm. and jesus in very typical jesus fashion says 
This is what you're going to tell John. Tell him what you hear me teach. Tell him what you see me doing, i.e. miracles. And let him decide if I'm the Messiah or not. So Jesus puts it back on John. Exactly. Yeah, he's like, tell him you saw me healing people. Any of the things Jesus tells the disciples of John to go back and tell John they saw are actually fulfillments of messianic promises like the deaf will hear, the dumb will speak, mm-hmm. the blind will see, the oppressed are are set free, right? Yes. And, and, and so Jesus never gives them a clear message not a like dude just say see peter he'll tell you who i am mm-hmm. <laughs> right um he instead says the one who said behold the lamb tell him what you behold about me mm. yeah right John, you're the one that said, look. Now, why don't you look? That's the goosebump moment right there, right? Anyone can say Jesus is Messiah. Anyone can say, I believe in Jesus. But when your neck literally is on the line what do you see you have been listening to a podcast produced by simplyvinny.com Stop by our website, read our blog, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and all that jazzy promotional stuff. But remember, I'm the podcaster that likes to remind you when life throws a monkey wrench at your head, Jesus is still the logo, the reason, the logic, the word that builds your life back all the way to the kingdom of God. Until next time, God will be blessing you. See you at the next podcast.